0: Football Today from CBS Sports. Here we go! Email us at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Here we go! It's time to dominate your fantasy league.
1: Let's go! Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. All right, welcome to the show. Today's show is all about opportunity. Players with big-time fantasy opportunities in 2019. What's up? Welcome to Fantasy Football Today. It is May 30th. We got mandatory minicamps coming up pretty soon. It'll be training camp and preseason. We're getting there, guys. It's almost June. How about that? Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. This offseason has gone by faster than
0: previous off seasons. That's how it feels.
1: Uh, I agree. Yeah. I, for, I don't know why, but I do agree. And of course, we still have, you know, another month plus before training camp really starts. So we're still in the off season.
0: Almost two well,
2: months. What's an offseason?
1: Yeah, also, also there's that with football. It's, it's,
0: it's the period of time where we don't have to get in early and leave late. Oh. We actually get in whenever we kind of feel like it. We yeah. do. For yeah. the people who
1: don't cover baseball, maybe. <laughs> maybe. For the Dave and Jamie's of the and world. And then you leave when, uh, you know,
0: feel like your work's done for the day.
1: Well, he wrote a story about opportunities and and basically it's like vacated touches essentially is that the targets touches Uh, yeah
2: not quite touches because it's basically for running backs targets plus rush attempts for receivers and tight ends it's targets
1: okay so what do you think what's the one that really jumps out the best fantasy opportunity that exists right now
2: I don't know if it jumps out, but I think the one that will be the most profitable in 2019 is definitely the Chiefs. They have 305 targets plus rush attempts to replace from last season. Um, they, that was only tied for the most, but the other one's a little bit more easily explainable. And I think you have to view Damian Williams as the favorite, but it also just highlights like Andy Reid has a pretty long history of not being a committee guy. And if Carlos Hyde or Darwin Thompson end up in that role, they are going to be a massive, massive profit.
1: Yeah, and honestly, if Damian Williams ends up in that role, even if he's a third-round pick, he could end up being a massive profit, right? I mean, he could if he keeps the job, he's probably going to be a stud.
2: If if he plays 16 games and is the lead running back, then yes, I'd say he's worth a first-round pick.
1: Right. I think that goes for just about anyone, right? I mean, it's it's a system that's just going to make a player look great. Is that yeah. kind of what you're thinking? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Damian Williams still has not had more than 50 carries or 23 catches in any season. I think he will go over that this season. I know Dave is super high on, on Damian Williams. Jamie is not. D- Heath, where would you be comfortable drafting him? I'm fine in the third round. Okay. Would you take George Kittle or Damian Williams? Probably Kittle. Dave?
0: You're Kittle, Kittle, Kittle. <laughs> Aaron, Look, I, I like yeah. Damian Williams a lot. Um, and I, I intend, he's one of maybe four or five players that I intend on doing a deep dive on via film. And maybe even talking to one or two people before the season starts. And I,
2: I like when you do those. I really enjoy whatever you come away with. I don't know how much it matters on Damian Williams, other than if this deep okay. dive is going to tell you can he hold up to a heavy workload. Sure. Because but, other than but that, that's it, part of it. It doesn't. His his skill level. We know that he is above the baseline required to be a starting running back in the NFL. See, I'm not sure about that. At, we saw enough last year.
0: I'm. I'd like to think that we saw enough last year, but I'm not sure about it, and I want to look and see because there are plenty of running backs, cruel, <clears throat> excuse me, who are mm-hmm. just guys that get an opportunity and they end up putting up nice numbers with that opportunity. Right, but that's, that's and all I want to be. know if it's, but if he, if he did well with the opportunity just because of where he was planted, then I don't know if that means he's going to get big opportunities i need to know if he is truly a um a, a good enough running back to keep carlos Hyde, because carlos Hyde definitely didn't look great last year to keep him in a limited role to keep darwin thompson in a limited role i want to find that out for myself
1: mm-hmm. there, there's it's just funny because there's just no way one year ago today that we would have said oh damian Williams is better than carlos Hyde."
0: Right. No, exactly. So, and and so much of it has to do with the situation sure. and where you're planted. Right. You know what I mean? Is just by where you're playing. Damian Williams on um, the if if he were the starting running back for the Jets, we'd all be going ew. But he's in Kansas City. It's got an amazing. There's an amazing track record there of running backs doing well. That's all I'm going to say right now. I I, I still don't want to let the beans out on on the argument against Damian Williams.
1: We are going to talk about the starting running back for the Jets because he, Le'Veon Bell, does have a big opportunity and a lot of touches, a lot of carries to get. It'll uh, be interesting to see how many catches he gets. But I did, a, a, I think, a very modest projection for Le'Veon Bell and came away with, with a fantasy point projection. Like I, I almost feel like it's... Not a worst case scenario, but not far from it. Would you like me to do it now, or should we say let's it for later? hear?
2: Uh, yeah, I would like to know how close your worst case scenario is to my expectation. Agreed. Same with me. I've got it too.
1: Okay. Okay. Conservative estimate is what I'm calling it. Two hundred and fifty carries. That is eleven more than I have projected. Four point three yards per carry, which is his career average, but that includes three point five yards per carry as a rookie. I think he's probably a better running back than that. But two hundred fifty carries at four point three yards per carry, plus four hundred receiving yards, which is low. Uh, for him, he he averages 687 receiving yards per 16 games. Uh, with that, you are talking about 1,475 yards, and I gave him Le'Veon Bell 10 to- 10 total touchdowns, which is also pretty low. But he's not in the Steelers' offense anymore. If he had 1,500 yards, roughly 1,475 yards, and 10 total touchdowns, that would make him number eight in non PPR. Uh, number eight in non-PPR based on last year, number seven in non-PPR based on 2017. And then I, I guess I kind of screwed up with the projections here because I gave him 70 catches, but I can't see him getting 70 catches for only 400 yards.
2: No, I've got him at 78 catches and 624 yards.
1: Yeah, so, so if he has 624 receiving yards, I can't see Le'Veon Bell not being... If he plays 16 games, not being top five or top sure. seven at rush. Yeah,
2: I, I don't think the projection you just made is is a bad one at all. I've got him for a fewer rushing yards, but not a lot. Yeah. Um, and similar number of catches. I have him for 10 total touchdowns exactly. I just think that's a projection. It's nowhere close to his 4
0: I've got him for nine total touchdowns, over 1,600 total yards, 73 catches. And that's in 14 games.
1: So say it again. Sorry.
0: Uh, over 1600 total yards. Yeah, 73 catches, nine total touchdowns in 14 games.
1: That's a good year. 1600? I agree. Yeah, that's oh, that's good
2: that's phenomenal. That's that's really because I've got him at 1600 yards in 16 games.
1: I think it's
0: impossible to project him uh, without just being a curmudgeon for bad numbers if he's going to play 16
2: the, games. The thing that is just a little concerning, if I, and I, the, the reason I say I don't think it's anywhere close to his floor. The Jets, Adam Gase, is obviously a ruiner of all good things in life, fantasy, and football.
0: <laughs> jeez.
2: Um, <laughs> he destroys hopes and dreams. The ruiner. They wow. have 269 opportunities, not carries, available from last year's team.
1: Well, can you go Gase into that? What, what, can you, hold on, sorry. Wa- can you explain that number?
2: That is the number of rush attempts plus targets given to running backs that are no longer on the team. They're vacated. Okay. Now, you would think, well, yeah, but they have Le'Veon Bell now, so he is going to get all of the touches. That's not what Adam Gase has talked like. He has talked like he wants to use him heavily in the passing game, but possibly divvy up some of the work in the running game. And Gase over the past couple of years has run one of the slowest or lowest play total offenses in the NFL. And so I, I do think there's a little bit of a risk that they run 950 plays. They're behind a lot. He only gets 225 rush attempts and maybe isn't quite as efficient. They don't score a bunch
0: of touchdowns. And I might go... I I might veer from that when it comes to Gase, because I kind of like the Jets' defense. I like what they've done with it. And I think that they're going to be in more competitive games than we're giving them credit for. The Dolphins were in a lot of competitive games and ran almost no plays at all. Their defense was brutal, though. Like, toward the end of last year, for most of Gase's time, like, their defense was all, like name recognition and no it it just felt like they were never a dominant defense with him well i don't know i don't think they were dominant but I, i don't think they were ever i bet he can find a thousand plays and 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 i think that there should be mild concern about bell not getting every single touch like there's gonna be times like in the middle of the second quarter where you'll see ty montgomery out there and you're gonna be like what the hell is he doing there or elijah mcguire oh yeah there's too many um but I, I think Le'Veon is going to get a lot of touches. The thing that worries me the most about Le'Veon is the offensive line.
1: They traded it's, for Osemely, right?
0: He, he's the, he is now their best offensive lineman. He might be their only best offensive
1: lineman. I, I think that the Jets' offense will be pretty interesting because I, I think you could make a case that it, it could actually be above average. I don't think it's going to be like top you, five. You want
0: You wanted to say good. I don't think it's going to be good. Top I, think it, I think it might be top 24. I think it could be top 16. I think it could definitely be top like 16. 16.
1: I mean, the the Giants were top 16 last year, or maybe they were 17th. The Jets can be better than that uh, for sure. So, you know, second, uh, yes, they can. They, they,
2: they don't have an Odell Beckham. I'm not sure they have a Sterling Shepard. They probably don't have an Evan Ingram. They... They're they running have, but back they have a quarter. Probably isn't as good as Saquon Barkley.
1: It's going to be about Darnold.
0: Yeah. Right? I mean, that's... And he might be better than Eli. Maybe. Does Robbie Anderson scare defensive coordinators enough to stack the box? Dude. And by the end of last year, I might argue that he did.
1: All right. Well, uh, that'll be an interesting one. That's your Le'Veon Bell projection. We have some emails that I want to read at cbsi.com A couple things to promote. Okay, tomorrow we are going to air our very fun interview with Steven D'Souza, who wrote Die Hard. He also wrote Commando and Running Man. And, you know, we asked him about some of the lines in those movies, those Arnold one-liners. He had to split. Uh, I, Dave and, and Jamie and I, unfortunately, Heath wasn't on, but Dave... And, oh, at one point he asked us if we had a bank... Uh, if we all were involved in a bank heist, who of me, Dave, and Jamie would double-cross the others... And we said me, but the answer is definitely Heath. I just wasn't thinking straight because Heath wasn't on the show. But, so when you hear that, the answer is Heath. Um, sorry, Heath. Anyway, the interview was great. I'm going to air it tomorrow. It's about 40, 45 minutes. I don't know. The Christmas stuff actually was like, wasn't like was even close to the best part of the interview. Just hearing this guy who has been in Hollywood for so long tell all these great stories Talk about writing for these uh, megastars. You're going on too much.
2: you got to save some of it. I don't tell them about how you tried to convince them that Commando is not an action movie.
0: <laughs> we, we got into all the debates. It's, I think it's something that everybody will enjoy. Everybody leave will it enjoy. It If that. you Let's like
1: movies, that. you will like it. Uh, there if is you're some, a longtime fan of the podcast, you'll like it. There is some foul language in there, and I plan on leaving it in as of now. But don't listen to it with your kids, I guess. If they're I can't believe you curse that much. <laughs> but the guy was just, Stephen was just so interesting. And, uh, it, you know, it was, it was so fun. Okay, the other thing I want to tell you about is poker. It's that time of year again. The World Series of Poker is here. The 50th year of the most popular poker, m- poker tournament in the world. And you can have a front row seat to the bracelet events with CBS All Access. Just go to cbs.com poker. Or you can use the CBS app. But this is CBS All Access. Starting now until July 16th, you can live stream the final tables of 33 of the WSOP bracelet events, including 25 events that you cannot watch anywhere else. The bracelet events include the $100,000 High Roller and the $100,000 Six Max. And there's going to be a showdown of some of the biggest names in the game. The stakes are high. The tension is palpable. The winnings are huge. You can watch all the events online or through the CBS app. Just visit, visit cbs.com slash poker. That's cbs.com, not cbsports.com cbs.com slash poker or download the CBS app on your phone or streaming device. And you, by the way, can get a free trial. So start watching today. Don't miss any of the action. Emails. Here we go. Dear from Danny in Utah. Dear Valerie, Boris, and Ulana. I don't know. What combination is better in a 12-team PPR draft. You take Hopkins in round one. Which combination is better after Hopkins? Hilton and Kittle or Kelsey and Diggs?
0: As of now, I would say that it's the Kelsey and Diggs because we're not expecting Tyreek Hill to play. That means Kelsey could even see more targets and more catches than he had last year.
1: Oh,
2: I don't know that he can see more. I think that there's a bigger difference between Kelsey and Kittle than Hilton and Dix.
1: Squeaky chair, by the way. I'm so upset right now. What's matter? Dear Valerie, Boris, and Ulana, that's Chernobyl. I just Googled it, and I sort of saw a spoiler. So I'm kind of mad because I really want to watch Chernobyl. I've heard it's great. Fits in a suburb southeast of Detroit.
0: Suburb southeast of Detroit. Southeast of Detroit. Mm Mm-hmm. Let's go with Berea, Ohio.
1: You know Al Malkior? former CBS.
0: I, I I have heard the name. yes. yeah,
1: former CBS baseball writer. Uh, he, I believe, has an issue with "Don't Stop Believing" because apparently there's no such thing as South Detroit. South Detroit is Canada, I believe. Uh, so he took the
0: midnight train. <laughs> yeah. Going anywhere?
1: Okay, dear T.Y. Alshon Muhammad and Marvin. Hilton, Jeffrey, Sanu, and Jones. Oh, that would be the 2012 wide receiver draft class. Okay. Last year in my keeper league. All right, pay attention here. It's a good email, but there's a lot of moving parts. Last year in my keeper league, I kept three running backs and two wide receivers. With my first pick, I drafted a 29-year-old that would be 30 during the season, and I passed on Juju Smith-Schuster, hoping to get him in my second round of the keeper league, of the keeper draft. That 29-year-old receiver was Doug Baldwin, and he was mostly useless. He had injury issues going into the season, But I'm a conservative player. I had five good keepers, so I took Doug Baldwin over Juju. This year, I'm again keeping three running backs and two wide receivers. And again, I'm looking at another 29-year-old wide receiver that's had a history of injuries, T.Y. Hilton. I really like Chris Godwin this season, and I think he has the potential to do something similar to what Juju Smith-Schuster did. I know every year is different. I don't want to get burned again, though, for being too conservative. But I also don't want to reach for a, quote, potential star. So I guess my question is, how do you treat every season differently but stay true to the same style that you draft and play? And this is really about T.Y. Hilton versus Chris Godwin, comparing that to Doug Baldwin versus Juju last year. And I see the comparisons. I obviously would have taken Baldwin over Juju last year, too. And I would certainly take Hilton over Godwin. We all would. Uh, Yeah, so what do you make of this kind of philosophical question here?
0: Well, first, I think it's important to learn from the mistake of taking Doug Baldwin. You knew he wasn't at 100%. He even said as much before the season, and he clearly was not right. And so anytime a player has some significant injuries, especially when they come out and say, yeah, I'm at 85%, you know, usually players are you know, full of bravado, and they say, I'm at 110%. And uh, so, so when a player doesn't say that, and especially when they're older, it's almost like they're trying to tell you, uh, keep expectations low for me. Don't don't expect me to be myself. Maybe next year I'll be better. So learn from that mistake. But, the other but thing going back you, in
1: time, would you have taken
0: Juju over Baldwin? I wasn't taking Baldwin. So sure. Yeah, I
2: think I. I th- well, I mean, and we don't know when he had to make his decision. Like in June, no, I don't think any of us would have taken Juju over Baldwin. In August, I think most of us would have.
0: Sure. I, I, I was the high but guy. But we didn't know Baldwin. how serious the injury was for Baldwin until he spoke about it. Yeah, and That was in August, if I recall.
1: Right. Okay, so what was the other part you wanted to get to?
0: The other part I wanted to get to is I, I always I, – I've learned to veer toward youth, especially at running back. In this case, I, I, I would almost lean toward consistency and quarterback. And in the case of T.Y. Hilton – not that he's been the most consistent fantasy player on a week in week out basis but he's certainly been he's certainly delivered the numbers that you've come to like, maybe not love, and his quarterback is awesome. Godwin has never had a monster season. His quarterback is not as good as as TY Hilton's. I know TY is 29 and has a injury history. He's played through it most of the time. He's been good most of the time, so I'm taking Ty before Godwin.
2: I'm taking Ty too. The biggest thing I would say for me is don't try to like. This is kind of similar to the no. I drafted this guy two years ago and he was bad for me, so I'm not going to draft him anymore. And I, I, you can't take it personally. Like you just got to evaluate things with a fresh, clear mind.
1: Yeah, Hilton is someone that I could see myself drafting a lot of just based on where he goes, but you know, like late round two, early round three. But I do see the injury concerns. Now, he's only missed four games in his career, I believe. But it kind of reminds me a little bit of Demarius Thomas. I felt like Demarius Thomas led the league in, hobbled off the field for five plays before coming back in. And he just, it just felt like he was breaking down. And, it, you know, it, it played out that way. So I, I could see that concern with, with T.Y., uh, but, yeah, I mean, I think we'll all take, we'll take uh, Godwin. It'd be different maybe if it were a dynasty league. But, look, you're only keeping five players, and you have good ones. So, yeah, whatever. All right, anyway, uh, next email. Last email for now. A guy in the Midwest city named Nowthen. Uh, N-O-W-T-H-E-N. Can Dave guess the state? Where's Nowthen?
0: That's in Minnesota.
1: It's got to be, right? I mean, this sounds so Minnesotan. Okay, he's got a wide receiver comparison. Here are nearly identical 2018 stats for two wide receivers and their 2019 Fantasy Pros rankings. Who are they? Why are they projected so far apart? Why is one projected to rise almost 10 spots while the other projected to fall 10 spots? In 2018, they ranked 19th and 21st, respectively. They well, why both,
0: don't you do player A, player B? Because this sounds like a blind taste test type
1: thing. Well, because the numbers are so similar. They both had about 1,000 receiving yards, 75 or 76 catches, and seven touchdowns on the exact same amount of targets, 108. One of them is ranked 29th in fantasy pros. One of them is ranked 12th. So now a caveat, the one who's ranked 29th actually missed two games and still put up basically the same, same numbers as the other guys. 75 catches, 1, 000, a little more than 1,000 yards, seven touchdowns on 108 targets. Who could that be?
0: I know who It's they not uh, Allen Robinson, is it? No, no Allen Robinson didn't have a thousand yards. And I think Diggs had more than seven touchdowns. And I think Brandon Cooks might be one of these guys.
1: No. No. Also, I haven't double checked these stats. By the way. Awesome. Oh, uh, so, so no, they're, who they're, knows? If they're this right. Is, they're they're right. This is this is, this is accurate. The only uh, thing, yeah, is, right. is Amari Cooper one Amari of them? Amari Cooper is one of them. He's the guy who's. 12th right now in the fantasy pros rankings who had the same amount of stats as amari cooper same stats as amari cooper last year in two fewer games and is 19 spots lower in the fantasy pros rankings he is entering his third year i believe
0: is it tyler boyd it is tyler boyd okay how about that that?
2: that makes sense then why Well, because Tyler Boyd played a third of or a half of a season without A.J. Green.
1: I feel like his production was pretty consistent, though. It it was with
0: Green. Earlier in the year. With Green, he was very good. Without Green, he was not nearly as good.
2: I don't think that's true.
0: I'm looking right at it. Okay. He had three, five games with double-digit fantasy points with A.J. Green. And one game... Double digit fantasy points without AJ Green. That's a non PPR. If we kick it over to full PPR, Tyler Boyd had one, two, three, four, five games with twenty plus points with AJ Green and one game with more than fifteen points full PPR without Adriel Jeremiah Green. <laughs>
2: That's huh. not nice, yeah, this that that is not the uh the recollection that I
1: had at all. Also, he was very similar to A.J. Green when Green was healthy in those eight healthy games that Green played. I think Green ended up playing like nine or ten games, but he only had like eight healthy games, nine games total. Uh, they had very similar stats, uh, Green versus Boyd. So, yeah, but, but back to the question. I mean, I think actually the more interesting thing is like it's Cooper with Dallas. You know, like Cooper, you got to throw out the Raiders stuff. He was terrible with the Raiders. He was reborn with Dallas, although he was inconsistent with Dallas, but he had some I mean, huge games. You almost
0: can't tell when the Dallas game started and when the Raiders games ended. Really? You can't he had I'm so I'm on the same spreadsheet that I was looking at before Tyler Boyd, where I've got the measurements of how many fantasy points <sighs> okay. they had. He had two games with twenty plus fantasy points in Oakland. And he had two with twenty plus with Dallas. No, but th- see they that's were, a difference. But they were thirty. plus Exactly, games they were thirty with plus Dallas. with
1: Oakland. But they were, he he was still. He had four games with with less than twenty yards with Oakland. So right.
0: he was he he didn't suck as bad. He was a, considerably better with Dallas.
2: Like with Oakland, he averaged forty seven yards per game and scored one touchdown in six games. And with Dallas, with Dallas. He averaged 80 yards per game and scored six touchdowns in nine
0: games. I'm going to go back to what I say pretty much every time we talk about the Cowboys offense. So you're going to hear me talk about Kellen Moore a lot. It's the same playbook because Kellen Moore was rooted in this playbook when he was a backup quarterback in the NFL. But they are going to run different plays out of similar looks. And they're going to be creative, especially in the red zone. And I think we're going to see Amari Cooper take a nice step forward. You saw the Cowboys lean on him a little bit more, certainly more than the Raiders did. And I think they're going to continue to do it. And I think they're going to be able to get away with it because teams have to account for their other weapons. They've got Ezekiel Elliott, who's proven now to be a good pass catcher out of the backfield. They also have to account for both Zeke and Dak running. They've got Randall Cobb in the slot. I don't care what you think about Randall Cobb, and I don't think you're going to draft Randall Cobb, but he's going to be a slot option for them. Gallup on the other side of the field is going to deserve a little bit of attention and they're going to use their tight ends. They're going to have at least one tight end on the field all the time. If yeah, and play action, that, that tight end's going to be out and moving around and, it's going to be hard for the, for defenses to double-team Amari Cooper, and I think the Cowboys will use that to their advantage.
2: As long as he's just what he was with the Cowboys last year, he's a top-five wide receiver.
0: He would have finished as a top-five wide receiver based on those averages? Is His, that what you're saying? Yes.
1: And and that's not even that's fact. That's incredible. But, but the thing is, like, there's so many things. He's so interesting. Because with the Cowboys, what, he played nine regular season games? Yeah, 11 games total. With the Cowboys, nine regular season games, he was under he was 36 or fewer yards in four of them without a touchdown. So he and like mm. 30 points against Washington, 38 in PPR, 39 against Philadelphia, 49 in PPR. He made he made his mark on those two games. But then you throw in the postseason, and he had two good playoff games. He had seven catches for 106 yards against Seattle and six for 65 and a touchdown at the Rams. So he's you know, look he's been a confusing player. But just to sum it up. Does Amari Cooper deserve to be ranked well ahead of Tyler Boyd?
0: Yes. Absolutely, 100% yes.
1: I've got them seven spots to sport. We're going to take a break on fantasy football today. When we come back, news and notes, and then Heath gets into the opportunities for some relevant fantasy players right after this. Some news. Charles Robinson of Yahoo reports the NFL will likely review Ezekiel Elliott's Las Vegas incident. And I was actually wondering if Heath wouldn't mind telling us why he was handcuffed and not arrested. You, you mentioned that that had happened, but I never asked for the story.
0: Would you like the full story?
1: How long is Do you it?
0: know the full story? Oh, no, why I was handcuffed and oh, not arrested. why? Oh, I thought you meant why Zeke was at the Electric Daisy. I thought you were at the Electric Daisy Carnival.
2: Um... I was uh, 16, 17, and um, it was mostly not that big a deal. I was going 93 miles an hour in a 55 mile an hour zone. Jeez. And I've done that. the police officer pulled me over and was very upset with me and took me behind the vehicle and handcuffed me. And uh, I started crying. And he thought I was crying because I because I was getting arrested. And I said, "No, that's not it." The uh, young female that's in the vehicle with me, her dad is the uh, president of a local motorcycle gang. <laughs> is that true? <laughs> yeah, one hundred percent, one hundred percent true. And this uh, this this guy was well known by the uh, police department, and. Uh, I told him his name, and he went up and asked her if it was true, and he let me go because uh, he was afraid of what would happen. Wow. Her dad found out that I was going that fast with her in the car.
1: Oh, my God. Uh, oh, oh, he was afraid for you. Yeah. Oh, I thought he was afraid for himself. No, I got the ticket still. I, I had to, uh, yeah.
2: I had to oh, go through wow. several things, but yeah.
1: Wow. That was why. Oh, my God. That is a good... That You have great stories, man. You... Like I okay, don't ever drive that fast, people. Like no, it was really
2: dumb. You yeah. shouldn't do that.
1: But he yeah, he has very scary stories. In there are lessons of what not to do. Detroit offensive coordinator Daryl Bevel said, "quote We'll always be about running the football." Does that get you excited? No. Didn't
2: did we have a discussion last year on the podcast about how the Lions were talking about wanting to be run heavy, and they always talk about wanting to be run heavy?
1: I'm sure. We did. I, sounds, I believe we did. Sounds familiar. Were they run heavy?
0: Um, I don't have it in front of me. I, I my guess would be no.
1: I can tell you. Let's race. Okay, I'm clicking. Oh, I clicked the wrong thing. This is bad. Next news were item: going 93 and a 55. Next news item: Deontay Foreman says he's healthy and he has something to prove. The man is motivated. Um, good. He's he's becoming
0: a good back half of the draft pick to speculate
1: come on. on come on why is this taking so long you still don't have it attempts i'm per going game. by
2: run percentage the lions were at 44 which is relatively that's pretty low that's 56 pass
1: that's eight, yeah they that's, are 18th um, in rush attempts what's that 18th in rush attempts
2: in terms of like run heavy they were 14th so right at hey. league average
1: no it's above league average well okay right yeah new orleans signed javoris allen does he factor in no. Okay. Marcus Mariota plans to play at a heavier weight than last year. Does that factor in? No. New England tight end Ben Watson is facing a four-game suspension.
0: Is that Yeah, I, I'm looking up something on Corey Davis, and according to Sports Info Solutions, 74% of the targets headed Corey Davis' way were uncatchable last year. <laughs> that does wow. not seem normal. That's bad. Yeah, that's, that's trouble.
1: Uh, Does the suspension for Ben Watson make you more excited about Austin Zafarian Jenkins?
2: No. No. We'll talk about why in just a little bit.
1: Oakland Um, signed Richie Incognito, offensive guard Richie Incognito, to a one-year deal. I don't see how Oakland could have any problems this year in their locker room. If
0: you could overlook it for a second, their offensive line is actually pretty good. Because Incognito, if he's still the same football player, If he's he's allowed to play football, there's so many like things qualifiers when it comes to incognito. But if he's still the same type of blocker that he was when he last played, it's a good get for the Raiders and it's a good get for Josh Jacobs.
1: Yeah, they're going to have perfect locker room chemistry for sure. (laughs) <laughs> San Francisco pass rusher Nick Bosa, <laughs> second pick of the draft. He hurt his hamstring. He was injured last year. so. <laughs> Jacksonville signed Terrell Pryor. Is he automatically the best wide receiver and quarterback on the team?
0: Neither. No. Yeah, that neither. joke would have been better last year.
1: <laughs> Baltimore owner Steve Bishotti said wide receiver Chris Moore could be a breakout candidate. That's.
0: He's like the third Ravens person who matters who's talked up Chris Moore. I'm Harbaugh gonna, did. Need more. Uh, Harbaugh did, and
1: uh, I don't. Maybe maybe no one else did, but but the owner counts. He's he's, for two he's one people. to watch in training camp. All right, Chris Moore. Trey Burton had surgery for a sports hernia. He's expected to be ready for training camp. And Can
0: I give you an ex-Ravens player to keep an eye on in training camp? Yeah. Current Raiders tight end Darren Waller.
1: It's right there on my notes. Darren Waller is currently. Oh, the I'm starter. sorry.
2: Well That's done. Good. That's usually my job is to steal things from Adam right before. <laughs> I didn't. Them.
0: I swear to God, I didn't see it. I'm. I apologize to you, Adam. But That's all right.
2: We're always looking for late round tight ends. I will add Darren Waller to the list of Raiders tight ends who I don't think are good enough to throw the football to.
1: <laughs> okay, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna look at my dynasty team, which is currently active. Like I can do add drops right now, and I'm gonna drop someone for Darren Waller. We're gonna decide who it's gonna be. Probably Todd Gurley. Uh, because he sucks now, as we all know. Um, Also, it's time for Adam's annual. I do this every time, right around this time of year. Every year, right around this time of year. Annual random sports take from Adam, and here it is. When it comes to athletes, broadcasters, writers, anyone in sports, you cannot find someone better at his or her job than NHL broadcaster Doc Emmerich. The man is the most legendary broadcaster that I have ever heard. And I enjoyed watching the Stanley Cup finals last night. Um I can drop Ooh, I can drop a lot of guys. I can drop Isaiah McKenzie, Blake Jarwin, Hayden Hurst. No, I won't drop him. Josh Adams. Jeff Wilson. I could drop Jeff Wilson. You could drop Jeff Wilson. Is that who I should drop for Darren Waller? Yeah, I guess. He believed this team went to the finals last year. My starters are actually good. <laughs> I promise. All right, here we go. You guys, are, you're not watching enough hockey. If you didn't react to uh, what I said, by the way.
0: No, you're you're just not reading what I sent you on GChat.
1: Okay, let's see what David's Dave, David <laughs> David said. He, he, yes, he, Doc Everett is better than everyone, Dave, he is better than ever. He's the best. He's the best broadcaster I've ever heard, by far. Eh, not by far. And now the
2: best that I've, ne- I've never heard. <laughs>
1: He makes hockey great. Like, I don't even like hockey, and he's amazing. Uh, all right, Heath's opportunity article. We talked about the Chiefs. We talked about the Jets. What else would you like to talk about?
2: Um, I think we've talked about the Bears plenty, right? I should mention that the team that's tied with the Chiefs for the most opportunities available is the Jacksonville Jaguars because of the time that Leonard Fournette missed and because of the absence of TJ Yeldon in the passing game. The funny thing is... I don't feel like they brought anyone in that's going to be very good in the passing game. And I think that creates an opportunity, and there's plenty of risk with Fournette. But if he were to stay healthy and not be a jerk face, I do think there's an opportunity that he has an enormous breakout.
1: Yeah, we actually talked about this on our previous show. I, I said five things that I could see happening. One of them was Leonard Fournette leads the NFL in carries. So yeah, would have to stay healthy and stay behaved. So I don't,
2: I don't necessarily believe the carries part because I don't think Jacksonville's going to be one of the most run heavy teams this year. But we've talked about and argued about that plenty.
1: Well, I, that would probably just depend on how good they are, right? Defensively and whatnot.
2: Well, they're going to be good defensively.
1: Yeah, okay. Well, I, but I think if Jacksonville's good, they're going to do it by running the ball.
2: They, I just don't understand why they would go hire an offensive coordinator who got fired in the middle of the year last year on a playoff contending team because he refused to run the ball as much as the head coach wanted to.
0: But I know guy exactly had, why that guy hired had, Because they want to throw the ball more. They wanted to get a coordinator that would uh, assimilate easily with the quarterback that they were going to get in free agency. They knew that they had a good chance of getting a next goals. They wanted a a coordinator that could run an offense that Foles already is familiar I
2: don't with. think you hire that coach if your plan is to run the ball 55% of the time.
0: But I don't even know if they thought that much of it other than Tom Coughlin getting his nose in, in uh, DiFilippo's face and saying, listen, you're going to run that ball a lot. And DiFilippo Filippo say, yeah, sure, whatever you say. Uh, Mike Zimmer tried that last year. It didn't work. And they were not
2: really one of the most run-heavy teams
1: last year. No, they weren't because they they were bad. They couldn't. But the year before, they led the NFL in rush rush attempts. Does it
0: does it bother you that in 2017, Fournette was averaging 20 carries a game, and last year when he played, it was down to 16 points. No, because
1: we went through this. No, Dave. To me, it doesn't. Because when we went through this yesterday, I think the story that I see personally is that when he when he came back from injury. They ran the hell out of him three straight games. In one of those games, he got ejected and he still had eighteen carries. But he was like probably gonna be like twenty-four carries per game in those three games. Then he got ejected, then he fell out of favor, and the carries went down. But there's no doubt in my mind that that when they were trying to make their push, you know, they were obviously having a terrible season. They rode Leonard Fournette. It's all they could do. And then they changed quarterbacks and they went away from Fournette because they were down on him. But the they were good. In 2017, and the Jaguars led the NFL in rush attempts. I don't. I just don't see how they can be good without being a run-heavy team. I don't think they have the passing game for it.
0: What if they were 56 pass, 44 run?
1: That's probably not enough. I. I, I have trouble with the. I mean, could you tell me what they were pass? If there's run a thousand in 2017? plays, then
0: it's 560 pass plays and 440 run plays.
1: They ran 527 times in 2017.
0: Last year they had
2: 571 and 408, I believe.
1: Yeah, I, I think that I think they're Okay, so how many plays did they run in 2017? Is this interesting to anyone? What did I say, 571 rushing and they had they had uh, five twenty-seven so uh, passing. So a little so like fifty-two, fifty-three percent, something like that. Fifty-two. Mm-hmm. I think they run the ball as much or more than they throw if they're if they're good. If they can, you know, if they're trailing, then they can't do that. Okay. Sorry. Heath, uh,
0: he's hey, worth that third round risk.
1: Heath, let's talk about the bears. Cause in your story, you, you mentioned that you, based on what you've read, you know, you don't see Tariq Cohen picking up a lot of the slack on the ground, right?
2: No, I don't think he's going to increase his workload on the ground. I do think they may throw it to him a little bit more. Maybe he has five or 10 more carries, but not significantly. And so there's 280 running back opportunities vacated by Jordan Howard. Um, and it's basically going to come down to Mike Davis and Dave Montgomery. I think Montgomery should be the guy to take that. I'm a little bit gun shy just because of what we saw with Rashad Penny last year. So Montgomery's going to have to show in camp that he's ready to play in the NFL. But assuming that he does, he's like we've seen Jordan Howard be a top 15 running back in this offense with Tariq Cohen there. I I think that there's absolutely top 12 possibility because I think Montgomery's better than Howard
0: Howard had a thousand total yards and nine touchdowns last year that was Matt Nagy's first year calling plays in Chicago and Howard and they liked Howard so much they traded him for a sixth round pick now if you got that if you got that out of David Montgomery and even 90 percent of that out of David Montgomery I think you'd be a pretty happy fantasy owner
1: let's go to the Falcons skip the Ravens we've talked about that a lot please read the story Because there are a lot of teams that we won't get to today. The Falcons, with Tevin Coleman gone, they have 234 running back opportunities. Do you think Devontae Freeman, well, how many carries a game do you think he gets? Because they obviously have Edo Smith. They also drafted Kadri Allison. How many carries a game do you think Freeman gets?
2: Somewhere between 12 and
0: 15.
1: Ooh, that's not a lot.
0: I was going to go a little higher. 14.1 is what I have him projected for. I think that's safe. I think that that could be right around where he lives. With a couple of weeks mixed in where he's higher than that. Because they're winning and he's fresh enough. And they're comfortable giving him close to 20 touches. But thats I don't think he's going to get 20 touches on the regular.
1: So over 16 games... 14? What did you say? 14? I've got
0: him at 226 over
2: 16 games.
1: All right. well that's exactly, I mean at 227. You've got him for 16 games. I
2: don't project injuries. Oh. I might lower somebody in my rankings because I think they're more likely to get injured, but I don't know how in the world I would go about projecting injuries. Okay. So
1: 226, he had, Freeman had 227 carries in 2016 and he had a great year. I want to say he was like maybe the number 8 running back or something like that. Or or is that the year he was the number 1 running back actually? Um...
0: It might have been. He was an animal that year.
1: So, But he also had 54 catches. No, I think the year before he was the number one. But he had two great years in a row. Yeah, so how many catches do you project him for?
0: 34.
1: Mm, See, so that would be a little I, I bet he could do
0: a little bit. If he plays 16 games, he's, de- he's going to beat that for sure. I bet he averages around two and a half per game.
1: All right, you know what? Actually, 226 carries and 45 catches whatever 40 whatever would for where he's going round four you yes if if he hits those numbers he's gonna he's gonna be great I, I would think
2: yeah I think he'll be a, a fine number two running back
1: I don't see anything other than injury holding Devonte Freeman back
0: um I, I might sure. agree with that I and I'm not the biggest Freeman guy for fantasy I'm probably not going to draft him in a lot of my leagues because I am worried about the injury. I'm not too worried about Ito or Allison playing well enough to take him off the starting job. No,
2: know? I don't think he's going to lose a starting job. It's just that the upside isn't probably as high as it was. Like, I don't think he could actually be the number one running back again.
0: Correct. Yeah. I, I, I'm more comfortable taking Fournette in round three than I am Freeman in round three. I don't know if that's any big shakes. Um, there's a part of me that wants to take Kevin Coleman ahead of Devontae Freeman. Wow! Because I think that he's the best running back in San Francisco. I think it's the
2: same situation though.
0: I don't think he's as injury prone as Freeman. I think he's got to worry about Burita and McKinnon taking work away from him, and that's definitely going to happen. But I could see Coleman scoring lots of touchdowns.
1: Okay. Freeman might
0: too. He's got to stay healthy.
1: Oh yeah. Well, that he. That I assume he will. I assume that because they've they've always consistently used him very much in the red zone and inside the 10-yard line, Devontae Freeman. Heath, when you look at wide receiver opportunities, who are some players or some situations that really uh, could be big for fantasy?
2: I think you start... With the Raiders, because it encompasses both wide receiver and tight end, they threw the ball on a percentage basis to their receivers, less than just about any team in football last year. I think they may have been the only team that was below, or the Eagles were the only team below 50% of their targets going to wide receivers. The Raiders were the second lowest, and that's because Jared Cook and Jalen Rashard got all the targets. Rashard's still there, and I think he's still going to be involved, but... I kind of think like there's only 228 wide receiver opportunities for Antonio Brown and Tyrell Williams, but I'd expect they're going to take a lot of those tight end targets as well. So I think there's enough room here if things go right for Brown to be a number one wide receiver and and Williams to be a high end number three.
1: Okay, and then let's skip around to Tampa Bay. For Tampa Bay, you know there are a lot of wide receiver opportunities, but I, I think the player that I'm everybody's on Chris Godwin. I get that. I think O.J. Howard needs more targets than he got last year per game. He was too good for the amount of targets he had. Like, he was lucky. But without Humphreys and Jackson there, to me it feels like there's a big opportunity for O.J. Howard and Chris Godwin, obviously, to really step it up.
2: 100%. Yeah, it's probably one of the best situations because we've got a clear answer as to who should get those targets. It's those two guys. The The key will be that they don't go to a more running back heavy targets with Bruce Arians there.
0: The other flip side is I I think Arians and company are trying to figure out how to use OJ Howard best. I read that in OTAs. He he spent one day working out with the tight ends and one day working out with the receivers. I think they know exactly what to do with Chris Godwin. And that's why I think you heard Bruce Arians say that he's got a chance to be a 100 catch guy. He's not going to leave the field. He's going to play in the slot. And when it's a two-receiver set, he'll be out there with Mike Evans. And I and I think he's going to be a good red zone target as well, especially against teams that decide to double-team Evans down in the red zone. But what will be real interesting is how, how teams deal with this Tampa Bay offense when it's Godwin, Howard, and Evans on the field. Defending that's hard to do because you're talking about three guys that have height. They can all jump. They've all got big old mitts. They could all really be great options for Jameis Winston to throw to. I I imagine that I don't think any one of the three will have more than eight touchdowns. I don't think you'll have a 10-touchdown guy in Tampa Bay this year. What? Not Not Mike Evans? Nope. Nope. I think he'll have eight.
1: Okay, so the other angle here, I don't know if you wrote about this. I'm sorry, Heath, but the elite wide receivers... Some of them, you know, 160, 170 targets, maybe more in like a, you know, in some outlier year. Mike Evans got 138 targets in 16 games last year. Uh, His career high, he did have 175 in 2016, but he's usually around 140, I guess. So do you think Mike Evans could get to that 160 to 170 range?
2: I, I think he could, and I, I think what I wrote in the article was there was been one time that he had 150 targets in his career, and he was the best receiver in fantasy.
1: Right. <laughs> right.
2: So, yeah, I think that opportunity is certainly there for him. I mean, he also, of course, scored double-digit touchdowns that year. That'll that'll be part of it as well. Um, but, yeah, I, I would expect his target rate to go up just because there aren't as many weapons and because Arians' offense is generally a little bit more concentrated as far as where the targets go.
1: Okay, uh, other, you want to talk more wide receivers here, tight ends? I think the only other one maybe,
2: because we've talked about a lot of them, the Patriots, you referenced Austin Seferi, and Jenkins, and they do have, I think, the second most tight end targets available of all teams. They also were one of three or four teams that threw the ball to their tight ends less than 15% of their targets last year. Hmm. I don't think New England tight end matters if it's not Gronk at all. Like, there's 81 targets available. All of their tight ends are gone. Right. So, let's say Austin Safarian Jenkins shows up, wins the job, no other tight end on the team gets a target, and they do what they did last year. Well, I got to throw it to Safarian Jenkins more than they threw it to Gronk. No. 80 targets for Austin Safarian Jenkins with his efficiency is not enough to make him fantasy relevant.
1: I think the question is, do we know what Austin Safarian Jenkins' efficiency is? I mean, he's about to play with Tom Brady couldn't we see a much more efficient season than we've ever seen from him?
2: I think you have to be Gronk-level efficient to be good with this amount of targets. Remember, we used to
1: call him almost Safarian
0: Jenkins. (laughs) Right. There's a reason for it.
1: No, no, the reason was because he had so many almost touchdowns that year with the Jets. But it's
0: not like he caught the pass and was tackled at the one. There were times where he had a touchdown and it was called back by a penalty. But he also had his fair share of mistakes.
2: He did have um, almost 81 targets in a season once. He had 74 in 2017.
0: What were his numbers? He had like five touchdowns that year, right?
2: Uh, 50 catches for 357 yards and three touchdowns. (laughs) Three (laughs) touchdowns.
1: Yeah. No, look, I I don't think any of us are drafting Austin and Jenkins right now. It's always like if a tight end goes to New England, people get excited about him. And And I
2: think it's time to stop that. It was kind of the point of that section of the the article.
1: Probably is. I remember getting excited about Dwayne Allen. Was it two years ago when Gronk didn't play against Tampa Bay? He got suspended. And uh, I don't think Dwayne Allen had a target in that game. (laughs) But, yeah, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's what happened. All right. Uh, Well, you got some time for emails, guys? You got a few minutes to spare? Sure. Okay, let's do it. I have to go through my inbox. I didn't put them in my notes. (sighs) Okay, at CBSI.com. Here's an email. Kyle Rudolph is the subject line. It's from Matt in Wisconsin. Are there any new rumors or whispers about Kyle Rudolph possibly being traded to the Patriots?
0: Nothing new. All the same stuff. Although, I I think I did read that they're coming closer on an extension in Minnesota.
1: Yeah, like a five-year extension. Yeah yeah
2: great which is the opposite of what everyone wants to hear
0: right everybody wants to see him go to new england to be the next Gronk i i would be intrigued by that okay. i'm not intrigued by him staying in minnesota where he's been a touchdown or bus tight end for pretty much his entire career
1: all right late late first round is the subject line of this email from john he says hey bart brett aaron and don we know those, those are
0: quarterbacks with a certain team
1: yes sir uh, I've been doing mocks around the ninth overall pick. I always find myself in a tough decision in PPR, trying to decide between two of these three. How would you rank them, Michael Thomas, Melvin Gordon, Julio Jones?
0: I'd go Gordon first, Julio second, and Michael Thomas third.
2: You said PPR? Yeah. Um, I'd go Julio, Gordon, Thomas. So we have helped you not. I thought all. Thomas would be first for you. I've got him eleventh overall. Oh, I thought Um, he'd be much higher.
1: And let's read a typical Todd Gurley email. This is from Matt. I frequently see Todd Gurley slip late to the first round, even to the second in drafts. Obviously, if he's healthy and getting two-thirds of the work in L.A., he's a surefire top-five running back. How do you guys like the strategy of I love this strategy by the way. How do you like the strategy of drafting Gurley and Henderson to lock up that backfield? I feel like I'm drafting You have to. Yeah, if I'm if I'm drafting later than 7 or 8, I'd rather take Gurley and get that stud RB rather than one of the wide receivers.
2: I It's it's fine. It's the right way to do it if you're going to draft Todd Gurley in the first round. Um I don't think you're def- definitively locking up
0: the backfield. Because right. you think that if Gurley goes down, it'll be a split between Henderson and Malcolm or Brown. Or it could
2: just be Malcolm Brown.
0: The only way it's going to be Malcolm Brown is if Daryl Henderson is crapola. If he pulls a Ronald Jones and he just looks bad in camp, can't get anything going in the preseason. Or Rashad Penny. Or Rashad, sure. I mean, you can. There, there's plenty of examples out there. But at least Penny had some good games. Ronald Jones looked like he was playing football for the first time in his life. It was horrible. What were you doing, Ronald?
1: But Not that i bitter it's or it's anything. A good point. It's a good point that he makes because, like, I remember the the year with Zeke, right? We didn't know McFadden or Rod Smith, right, we, we were he was facing the suspension. We didn't know who it was going to be. It ended up being a mess. And last year with the Chiefs, I don't think we expected Damian. Will, you know, we, we like Spencer Ware. Now, Spencer Ware did get hurt. So there's that. Uh, what else? Justin Jackson versus Austin Eckler. Like Eckler wasn't really that good, that that game in London where he filled nope. in for Melvin Gordon.
0: And Anthony Lynn told you, we like Eckler in his specific role. That was it. And there's a lot of teams that feel that way, and that might be how the Rams end up feeling about Henderson. He might get a role where, okay, 10 times a game, you're going to get the ball, you'll play 20 times a game, and you'll 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 try and make some plays out in space 10 times a game. And it might not change when Todd Gurley gets hurt. Or when they decide to rest Todd Gurley. <laughs> when? But if he ends up going if Henderson ends up doing well on those ten plays and then Gurley misses time or it's a blowout, then the game, they'll give Henderson some opportunities then, I bet. They'll see what he can do. Every situation's different. this is why football is awesome. Because yeah, every true. team, every player, every situation, every season is different from the last. It's it's hard. To just you know, cookie cutter him in one yeah, way or yeah. the other. But to answer the question, yes, if you're drafting Todd Gurley, I think you've got to go to round eight to get Henderson. I don't think you can yeah, wait re- till round reach
1: nine. reach if you have to because it's. A more, I think you have to. Yeah. But
2: I I just think I would rather draft one of the elite wide receivers than dedicate a first and, first round pick and an eighth round pick to the situation.
1: Well,
0: or we personally. are. But then you risk not getting Gurley. Yeah, I'm fine with that. We We're fine done. with that. But if you want to have Gurley on your team the The real thing here is to try and get Gurley on your team at a depressed value, and then go after Henderson.
1: Yeah, and and
0: like you're not going to. might be you, a depressed value for him. You shouldn't want to get him in the top five. And I think most people listening that will agree with me that unless things change and he's out there running around in training camp, we're not going to really want him until middle of round two, mm. late round two.
1: I don't know. I don't know. I feel like I'm going to be the high guy, but. I'm not sure. We'll see. We'll have to see. A lot of ball game left, Adam, to
0: see how he ends up faring this July in camp. I I, I mentioned this on HQ. You can almost see it coming. You know you're not going to see Gurley in the preseason. Right? You're not going to see him play in a preseason game. No chance. Okay. I don't care if his knees are brand spanking new right off the assembly line. You're not going to see him in a preseason game. The Rams just won't do that. How much are we going to see him in training camp? Or if they have a joint practice with somebody else, how much are we going to see him in that? And if I think there's a chance we might not see him much at all if his knees are an issue. That will determine where he goes in fantasy drafts.
1: I have gone to end the show several times. It hasn't worked, so I'm going to try again. All right, we're out of here. Everybody, please enjoy the amazing interview with Steven D'Souza that will air on Friday. And... Please enjoy your wonderful weekend. I assume it will be wonderful. We'll talk to you, oh, five episodes next week. Monday, oh. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, counting down the top 150 players in fantasy football. Yes.